Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Hey, Sean. Um, how's it going? <laughs> it's going pretty well. It's uh, a, a lovely time here in Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, nice, uh, hot. You know, we're, we're in the dead of summer now. Sure. And it's it's June which maybe is maybe not the dead of summer, but it's uh, it's gotten really hot. We're not used to it yet. So, you know, we're just uh, coping, uh, doing what we can. Yeah, just uh, plugging along, doing things that we do, and uh, looking forward to potentially another curling season as, you know, we signed up for our rec league this week. That's right, Sean. We did sign up. I'm uh, Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, so uh, nobody has any idea what the rules might be at the local curling facility here, nor when we might start, uh, what mm-hmm. the, the if there's mass policy might be, if the rules that were put in place last year, if we'll have those again next year. Nobody quite knows yet, but this was more of a how many people would be interested in playing, and here we are. We are all signed up, ready to go. We're here. We're ready to play. Why not? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons potentially why not. Potentially, uh, yeah. We'll see. I'll have to see how that how that goes. So, uh, so a lot of uh, fun discussions, certainly locally for us with the the various teams, the team that we play together on, and then uh, our respective Thursday teams. There's been some discussion, so it's kind of gotten me back into wanting to play again. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know, thinking about the season we had last year, short as it was, it was fun, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, it was still fun. Uh, and yeah, I, I just sort of been away from the ice for so long that it's starting to starting to get that itch that, that let's go curling itch. Yeah. Also, it's really hot, so like let's just get in the cold, <laughs> cool <laughs> down a bit. Sounds good right now. Sure does. Sure does. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, speaking of fun and curling, let's uh, get to our guest today, Scott. Yeah. It is the one and only Greg Smith. The most entertaining man in curling? <laughs> yeah, I, I think we could say that. Is there anyone like I can't off the top of my head I can't think of anybody else who uh is is more fun out there on the ice. He definitely has fun playing the game. Uh and it's nice to see, right? It's it's a bit of a, a breath of fresh air compared to uh you know, some of the professionalized teams that, that uh, maybe they've had a little media training, not uh <laughs> not willing to Lay it all out there, but uh, yeah, this guy really, really has a good time and lets everybody know. Yeah, and, and a bit of a showman out there. Uh, it was a, a fan favorite, his first appearance in the Briar a couple of years ago, and certainly this year was a buzz on Twitter whenever he had the uh, the shots that we saw the updates on, and of mm-hmm. course had that great around-the-horn double that he made that uh, ended up on the 1v1 on SportsCenter for, for a while. So uh, a really fun guy, and we wanted to reach out, talk to him, because it is June, it is Pride Month, and he is uh, openly part of the LGBTQ plus community, and 
very open about the need for representation in sport at the highest level. There was, of course, that great moment during the Briar where he played against John Epping, the first mm-hmm. two openly out skips to play each other at a, a Briar. So we wanted to talk to him about that particular game. I was a little curious about the coverage of it and how they felt about it in the moment, just a little bit about representation at the highest level and the situation in Newfoundland. Uh, he, we, I asked him about a, a situation that he tweeted about over the weekend where there was a pride mm. flag stolen from a school and uh, what appeared to be a burned pride flag as well. So just the situation and how we can all live together in a respectful way. And uh, so that these incidents don't happen anymore and that youth can feel safe in their communities. So, Scott, unfortunately, our schedules clashed for this one. So I had to mm-hmm. I had to run solo. And I know you were disappointed because you really wanted to talk to Greg Smith. Yeah, I was really excited. But uh, you know what, Sean, I, I'm sure that you did a great job and I'm really excited to listen to it uh, since I wasn't able to be there for it. All right. So let's get right to my discussion with the one and only Greg Smith. All right, and Greg Smith joins me now from St. John's. Greg, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It is sunny in St. John's, which is a new thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've been to St. John's once, and it was not very sunny when I was there. Windy and cloudy, that was my experience. Yes, it does heat up sometimes, but uh, not as often as we'd like either. Right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, as as we talked about in the intro, it is Pride Month. Uh, Greg, you are a member of the LGBTQ plus community, and yes. you did tweet before we get into the the curling side of this. You did tweet yesterday about an incident that took place in St. John's, and it really just centered on, or for me, when I was reading about this, why this stuff still matters, why representation matters, why things like Pride Month matter. So, could you just explain to folks who might not have seen it? What happened in St. John's? Yeah, so not in St. John's proper, but in Metropolitan St. John's at three schools, the pride flags that were put up for Pride Month were taken (laughs) down. One of them uh, was found um, in the next city next door in a trail that was lit ablaze and it was it was burnt. And, uh, you know, it was it was devastating to kind of hear about that especially knowing that the effect that that would have obviously on the students and uh, some of them, especially trying to come to terms with who they are as people and who they're made to be and uh, the detrimental effects of seeing something like that happen in your own city, in your own community and your own school. So I think, you know, it really echoes and it kind of uh, signals the importance of visibility, the importance of pride month and, how it should be something that is talked about all year round and not just a shtick for some businesses for this month, but for, but something that is discussed more openly. It's something that um, isn't tall. Sorry, sorry, that uh, homophobia, transphobia and biphobia isn't tolerated. And I think that, that uh, people today, even I've noticed that even in some of the friend groups I'm in, some people are, not as they don't see it as detrimental as misogyny. They don't see it as detrimental as racism and they just kind of brush it off, especially the cis white guys. So I think that uh, calling it out and not accepting this kind of behavior 
is going to go a long way in moving forward as society and moving forward as queer people and helping the next generation be able to be themselves. Yeah, as you say, it, it's very important. There was a list that was put out, I saw too. Uh, I, I don't know who it was who put it out, but it was companies that are selling rainbow merch this month, but also a list of their donations to people who have voted against the community uh, and mm-hmm. at various levels of government. So it's kind of interesting to, to think about. <laughs> yeah, right? Like it's really, yeah. it, it is it is, it is awful. Uh, but how would you say, like, where is Newfoundland in, in general? Like it, I would hate to believe that that incident is representative of the community at large, but I also saw some stuff as I was reading after you, you tweeted about this, that there is a sense that, you know, I, I feel fortunate. I live in Ottawa, a, a pretty big metropolitan city where the community is, is pretty welcoming and welcomed uh, totally. overall. But how, how would you just assess where St. John's is or, or Newfoundland in general on these issues? So I think that you're always going to hear, and I'm obviously someone that has had them. You're always going to hear, you're always going to hear very terrible stories, and I've had I have some terrible stories that have happened to me. However, I think that Newfoundland and Labrador is uh, not as bad as what some of the people on social media have made it out to be. Uh, one of the older, I think, it was one of the first gay bars in Canada is in, started in St. John's, and we've had a very, uh, very important you know, queer scene in the city. I think the issue lies actually in more so than anything is people's perception. I'm going to say it as this, people's perception of male uh, sexuality, homosexuality and bisexuality. um, In that, I mean more so of the very masculine old school boys club that kind of see it that as a demasculine thing, they see it as a lack of masculinity, a lesserhood of being a man. Um, so that's kind of the stuff I think that is. And I think that obviously when you leave St. John's, uh, you know, there's different demographics and different, uh, different groups of people that people are associated with. And there's less of a, a queer scene maybe in a Bay community as opposed to cities like St. John's or Cornerbrook. But I think as a whole, we are not that bad. I think the issue actually lies a lot with, like I said, cis cis men who think that uh, queer men are less than them and should be persecuted and discriminated against. All of the persecution that I have faced, unless it was online by an old uh, an old conservative right wing Christian, everything that I've faced, and I and I'm a Christian as well, so I just throw my Bible back at them and tear them shreds. But uh, everything I've faced has actually been people under the age of 30 and probably my age or younger. And a lot, I've had two incredibly disgusting experiences uh, downtown here on George Street and just, just disgusting. And I'm, I'm a person that is quite, we would say in Newfoundland, quite saucy. So I don't mind picking up for myself and telling them off and how to get there and all of my own. However, I know somebody who wouldn't be in that, wouldn't have that in their wheelhouse might not get over that and that might just spiral. And I think that uh, those kind of behaviors, the kind of boys talk, the one thing I noticed too, I'm going to throw out there. I think that gay jokes are so disgusting. So in the fact that, and I know some of them might be uh, harmless in their mind, but I seen somebody actually on my Facebook and they went in, it said they're in a relationship. Uh, but I didn't state who the relationship was with. 
and this guy was, I'm pretty sure he's a heterosexual. However, they said, who is he? And they were making jabs at that. And I think that even just those harmless kind of jokes can keep somebody in the closet. And it can also be detrimental to maybe that person's younger cousin who's gay and doesn't know it or somebody else. So I think we got to kind of get off of that. But as a whole, and in my honest opinion, I think Newfoundland and Labrador is leaps and bounds ahead of a lot of places in this world. And I think that St. John's has a very, very vivid and lively gay community. And uh, I would say, in my, on another note, I would say some of the best drag in this country. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, a lively drag community out there. Uh, certainly, yes. yeah, drag is one of those things where... Now, I've never been to a live drag show, but it does seem like you it is. Go. <laughs> like, but like in the last what ten years, and I, I assume the show has a lot to do with it. But the the drag community is just completely blown up, and uh, it, it's almost mainstream at this point. It seems. I I think it is elevated, and I've done drag a few times. I haven't done it since. St. John's Pride 2019. I don't know when I'm doing it again. But I think that it is something that has helped queer people come into the mainstream. And it is a show now that, I mean, straight women have always loved drag. But now their boyfriends are watching it with them. And now there's a deeper understanding of queer people and queer culture. And I don't, some people might think it's a negative that it's becoming mainstream. But I actually think it is a positive. And I think that more queer people on TV and more queer people, you know, just embracing who they are, sorry, not embracing who they are, but just being who they are, they will be embraced for that. So I think that that is incredibly uh, instrumental in moving forward in, yeah. in all aspects, but drag is a kind of a medium that has helped. For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And maybe I'll go when we're allowed to do things again. We're not allowed to, you know, we're not allowed to do anything. So, uh, so you know. uh, we haven't missed a beat much here. So I guess it's a different right. world on the mainland. Yeah. <laughs> that's a benefit of being an island, I guess. You can sort of yes. contain, uh, contain everything. So you, you mentioned the sort of the, the demasculation uh, associated mm -hmm. with queerness and, and yeah. the jokes and sort of basically every gay joke is like you're lesser than because you're that's basically what the, the mm -hmm. implication is. And we saw even last week, there was a, a young tennis player who in the middle of his match just started screaming uh, derogatory terms like th this does tend to be associated. Oh, I missed a lot. this. I'm going to have to look this one up. Yeah, it was on the junior circuit. It's an 18 year old kid. I think he's Belgian, but I, I don't know for sure. Um but it, it, like, so it was really upsetting, uh, to, certainly to see that. But I, I'm curious, you know, you're obviously a high performance athlete. Uh, you've mm -hmm. been to two Briars uh, and other national events. How how would you assess the state of curling associated with these issues? Do, does that does that masculinity and that Othering, do, do you see that in the sport at the highest level uh, at the, the ranks that you have competed in? Well, first I want to say that there's a ton of queer people at the high level of curling. And it is incredible to see. And uh, so we, we haven't been held back in any way, shape or form there, which is great. But uh, I think, like I said, I think with, with Devin, I think that for me, I haven't really faced it 
by curlers directly. Maybe, you know, sometimes I've been underestimated and they use the kind of the queer guys as that. And they thought, oh, you know, this is just whatever. But, uh, or kind of kind of pin that then I guess on my flamboyancy. But I mean, I couldn't tone that down if I tried, God damn it, right? I wouldn't be able to. <laughs> I just, I'm all go. But uh, I think that, that might be it. I think for me personally, I might've been underestimated and then, you know, I probably beat them, hopefully, or bet them. I don't know what, what Newfoundland can't speak English, right? <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I haven't dealt with it a lot. I know that there is a lot at the high level, and I think that is important. I'm glad that, you know, some of us and a lot of us are visible about that and open and transparent about that, because that is only going to uh, pay dividends for young queer athletes, not even just in curling, but in general, I know that uh, there's been some really lovely messages that has been sent to me on Facebook by moms here in Newfoundland, Labrador, and uh, I, I I got emotional by it, and I, I'm glad that I was able to have some level of an impact on them and on their kids. Uh, that, that's good to hear because again, if if we're gonna think of a stereotype of again that mm-hmm. cis cis male sort of very masculine, very, if I could, bro-y, you know, not not to throw out any particular names, but just from seeing on TV, and I've been around a couple events in in media areas, there are people who I would have expected or potentially maybe thought could Mm -hmm. fall into that category of not being the most welcoming. So it's good to hear that you haven't had to deal with anything directly, at least, uh, and that that my perception or my stereotyping of them is is wrong. Yeah, and I, obviously I, we might be on the same page, but those people that you're thinking of are actually the most lovely people and open and uh, accepting people, right? So it is great to see. And yeah. uh, I haven't had I haven't had an, an issue with any of those people in any way, shape, or form. Just they've been fantastic. All right. Well, that, that that's uh, that's yeah. great to know. So uh, yeah. back in the bubble. In March, yeah. there, uh, of course, was so there's one thing that this is unrelated to what we were talking about, but I've said it on the show before and I just wanted to say it to you. The fact that they had you play Gushu in an evening draw was ludicrous when it was a 10 o'clock start in Newfoundland. You guys should have been that should have been a morning game or an afternoon game. It should have been the feature. Everybody in the province would have watched. Huge missed opportunity for TSN. I wouldn't have played the run double for two then. I would, if I knew I was going to be on the telly, I would have drawn for one and tried to keep it close. <laughs> but no, I, um, yeah, I think this is the second time now. I think um, 2018, we were the last draw of the last night. <laughs> it was like, oh, great. There's a, there's a game that kind of decides who goes to the playoffs, and uh, yeah. we've been a five-in wonder for the week, so we're not going to be there. So, <laughs> yeah. just uh, yeah, that was a, I, I never understood that uh, that scheduling decision, but yeah. I think the, the game that got more attention was your game against John Epping, uh, mm-hmm. against Team Ontario, and the first case, at, at least I think, the first game between two out skips, yeah. at a Briar. And yeah. I'm curious to know what your thought was in the moment and since about the coverage of it, because obviously this is a big moment. And as you say, you want this representation, you want young kids across the country to see that you can succeed in sports, uh, no matter who you are. And yet on the broadcast, it didn't come up. 
it was just here's Newfoundland against Ontario. And it wasn't a theme in the broadcast coverage. It was on the tsn.ca coverage. It came up and certainly Devin's yeah. wrote a story about it and other outlets wrote a story. But I, I was curious to know if you were even aware that it wasn't included really in the broadcast and, and what your thoughts might be on that. Um. I, I never thought of that lens. I never took that lens before. I never looked through it that way. Um, there's been gay skips that have curled against each other at the very high level. and uh, But from my understanding, not at a briar. And from my understanding, maybe not even at a world. I don't even know if it happened at a world. So, uh, though there is, you know, queer, queer men and women in curling at the incredible high level and they've definitely played against each other but yeah we didn't get the picture before we got it afterwards so maybe you know maybe they didn't really kind of think that one through right however however they had to assume they had to assume that I was not straight. And I think they knew that one. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and they knew that John wasn't. So maybe, you know, I don't know how many times you got to do two plus two. However, you know, it, I don't see that as that big of a deal. I'm glad that it got, I'm glad that it got the coverage it got on uh, online and then talking about it with, with Devin and Colleen and talking about it with, the news here in, in Newfoundland, Labrador. So, you know, I think it was huge, uh, but I never looked at it through that kind of lens that they didn't discuss it prior, but I, I didn't think about, <laughs> I didn't think about it during the game. I was just, Oh God, I gave up five there. If I made that, five, <laughs> it would be different. <laughs> well, so part of my thinking at the time, and I still kind of think this way is that John has been there enough, mm -hmm. right? He's been on enough yeah. broadcast that, and this is maybe my super optimistic way of looking at it is that the TSN crew just think of John as John, the guy from Toronto and not yeah. John, a gay curler. And therefore yeah. it might not have occurred to them because, Oh, it's, it's Ontario against Newfoundland. And just that, oh, yeah. that not being front of mind for them because it's so normalized that it's just John is John. And it reminds me yeah. almost of, Rick Mercer. I, yeah. I remember he was quoted once as saying, like, how many times does somebody have to come out? Like, uh, you know, that it's just sort of he's Rick Mercer and that's just who he is. And I wonder if John Epping's at that point where it's it's not going to be part of John's narrative or, or stories about him because he's it's he's just John at this point. Um, totally. But John, however, is a great is a great advocate and a great sure. ambassador. So he does, and he doesn't shy away from that. So, and the, the whole picture, John, John reached out to me and was like, do you have a pride flag? And I was like, I do not have a huge one. So he got one and then we got the picture. So the picture was, was John's idea, which was really, really lovely. And, uh, John is, John is a good friend and got to know him over the past couple of years. And, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's fantastic. But, uh, yeah, I think I think you have a point there. I think they probably looked at it as, oh, he's he's here for the Canada Cup. He's here for this. He's here for that. <laughs> Greg is here to win a couple games and go home out of it. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, no. Greg is here to get the best hot mic moments of the week. Well, <laughs> and then listen, I won't talk on my Briar record. I will be back. Hopefully I'll be in a few more telecasts in years to come. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we're all rooting for that, for sure. Yeah. And I know Kathy Goche, too. I, I Kathy Goche seems yeah. like your number one fan. Just uh... Oh, she's incredible. She's yeah. incredible. <laughs> um, so... Same. So as as you you mentioned that you've gotten a lot of of positive response from yeah. from folks, how do you think that you being there, that that John Epping being there over and over, uh, you, have, you have players like Elena Stern, who unfortunately for curling fans has announced that she's going to step back uh, from the sport, but you you have a lot of people globally who are out and are supporting the community. What do you think the impact is of this for younger generations? Maybe not even of just curlers, but you know, kids turning on TSN at night and yeah. oh, the curling's on, and here, here we have these folks out there uh, competing at the highest level. Like, what do you think the ultimate impact could be on young kids who are going to go into sport? Totally, um, I think that that the press covered that very well, and I think. So, like, how many media agencies, you know, across the country took up on that story and shared it? Uh, I think it was great, and I think it was very important, and I think it was uh, wonderful. And I did a um, the DEI for curling on the, um, on LGBTQ plus people and inclusion. That I did that with Elena, and she was wonderful. But uh, yeah, being vocal and being open about that is only going to really really elevate uh, the profiles of queer people and us in the community and also people who want to do things in the community. So I think that, I think that that those moments like that were, are very important and they're very integral in moving forward. And for the next generation, I, like I said, I think prior, not to this conversation, but another one, Growing up, I never saw that kind of representation. It took a long time for me to be comfortable and open with who I am. And uh, I never got to see people, whether it would be in politics until uh, people like Gemma Hickey, Jerry Rogers here in Newfoundland, Seamus O'Regan. Um, and some of them had became friends, which is, which is wonderful because they're trailblazers and people in sports I think Tom Daly was one of the first ones that I, I seen watching the Olympics. So I never had that when I was young and when I was really unsure of who I was. Uh, and I don't think that, you know, if you have, if you have a level of, sorry, if you have a stage to talk and you have some level of notoriety in anything, I think that you have to be vocal about the issues. You have to discuss them. You have to be transparent. You have to be open because sure it might be uncomfortable for you, but it's about the legacy that you get to leave. And I hope that any legacy that I get to leave, whether it is in politics, sports, music, whatever I do, I hope that that is one of, of love. And I hope that that is one that people coming behind me are going to look and say, you know what, I'm glad that somebody came before me. And even though it's 2021, I think if I get elected at City Hall, I might, as far as I know, I might be the first queer man elected. Wow. So, and it's 2021, right? So I think that anybody that has any level of notoriety, whether it is sports, and we have a lot of wonderful, great 
queer advocates in curling, but whatever it is, speak up because you can really, really be so instrumental and so helpful to somebody else in their journey. Not just the people who are younger than you, but the people that are older than you too. Because, you know, people older than me probably even have a harder time to come out. Somebody who is in their 40s, you know, or their 50s. So really, it is about being transparent, it's about being authentic, and just talking to the issues and calling out crap. Because if we just talk about this utopia for queer people, we're really not talking about the issues that are at stake and things that, that we face each and every day. We have to talk about the whole can, not just the lid. Right. Uh, very, very well said. Uh, absolutely. And, and I'll say too, like it's easier to, to spread uh, love and joy than it is to mm-hmm. like hate people. It takes a lot of energy, I think, to hate people. Well, <laughs> come on. <laughs> um, so, 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 Greg, uh, just uh, I, I, I just want to say I, I do think that having you at the Briar uh, this year yeah. and back in 2018 certainly just very you're a very entertaining player, no question about it, uh, on the ice. Uh, but, but also just yeah that that passion you bring the the representation and you being a strong voice for this i know for me personally uh i was sort of i found it very moving uh and and i appreciate how vocal you are and uh and and hopefully you know we're rooting for you in your campaign out there uh and and to continue all the work that you're doing but there is one question that is curling adjacent that i really want to ask you you won the 2021 Newfoundland tankard. Now, do you rem- do you remember the immediate your immediate reaction when you won the game when the other shot was missed? I think I just hugged my third, and I think that I broke him. I think <laughs> I, just, I, I, as we say in Newfoundland, I completely squat him. <laughs> <laughs> What was my immediate reaction? It was all a blur. So you just <laughs> I, I thought I lost the game twice, and I thought I won it once, maybe in the seventh end. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, yeah. Like, uh, so the shot you made in twelve was. Inc- I would say you won the game in twelve. You got a pretty yeah. big break. You got a pretty big break in eleven. But you know, you, you won the game. You see my behind the scenes sweeping. If I was allowed to do that, you should have seen it. <laughs> like, yeah. um, no, but so you jump when oh. the the game was over. You you had a jump, and we've debated on this show multiple times who got more airtime: you winning the 2021 Tankard or Kevin Cooey at the 2017 Trials. And we think combined, the two jumps were around eight inches. Uh, if you added them up, because ne- neither of you seem to get great vertical leap. And I, I blame it on the fact that you were both wearing a slider at the That's time. Right. So you can't that get that right. much power. But you've, right. you've played against Kevin Cooey. Mm-hmm. Settle this for me. Between the mm-hmm. two of you, who do you think has the bigger vertical leap? I think that... Kevin Cooey is way more loud and vocal. <laughs> um, I think it's certainly Kevin. Uh, okay. Certainly. However, if I get two grippers on, I'm going up to the roof. So, okay. you know, I just need to get that kind of traction and then I can go. But, um, yeah. No. Well, I I appreciate you settling that for me, uh, Greg. I I appreciate it. Uh, Where can people find more information if they if they want to support your campaign? Obviously, if we're not 
in St. John's, we can't vote for you. But if people want to send their support and find out the work that you're doing, uh, where, where can they find more info? Uh, so my website is gregsmithnl.com. So there'll be stuff there on the campaign. However, I think that some of that is under construction. So uh, Facebook is a good one. And just my regular profile, the same uh, same handle, Greg Smith and L, and my page, which is um, Greg Smith for St. John's. So, yeah. All right. Well, check it out, everybody. Uh, Greg, we really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much. Take care. All right. So there you have it, my chat with Greg Smith against Scott. It's too bad uh, that we couldn't make it work, but what did you think of what Greg had to say? Sean, as always, you know, uh, Greg's got a lot of interesting things to say. Uh, he's he's a really articulate guy when it comes to things like this, uh, a great member of the community, and really interesting to hear from him. Yeah, so we definitely thank him for his time and for joining us today on the show. Really appreciate him joining us all the way from Newfoundland. And he was so funny when we were going back and forth and we were talking about times and stuff. He he, he made sure to specify Newfoundland time yeah, <laughs> versus uh, other times, which is always a lot of fun for me. I, I For the history show, when we deal across time zones, people just tend to say like 4 o'clock. I'm available at 4 o'clock. Without specifying <laughs> what what time zone that is, uh, so it's kind of nice for him to do that. So uh, if, if you don't yet, do follow Greg on Twitter. He is at Greg Smith NL, and you can keep up with everything that he's got going on out there in St. John's. Very active guy, and and again, we thank him for his time. And of course, as always, uh, if you're out there and you want to do more to support the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, and particularly maybe in the curling context, do reach out. There's a lot of resources available, and we, along with other members of the community, can certainly point you in the right direction for some of those resources that are coming out. And it's been great to see over the the past month, new resources are coming out, a lot of discussions, a lot of materials available. So it's just a great thing to see, Scott. Absolutely, Sean. Absolutely. All right, so that will do it for this week. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show. Wherever it is you get your podcast, do the likes, the ratings, comments, all that fun stuff. Helps keep us going, grows the show. And do follow us on social media at Game of Stones Pod. You can find Scott at Scott Lakes TV. I am at the Sean Graham. And you can head on over to GameofStonesPod.com. All of our past episodes are there, including... Our trip to the 2019 Gay Nationals, which I'll also put in the show notes of this episode. If you haven't heard it yet, that event was at the Ottawa Curling Club. Uh, really a, a terrific event. It was a lot of fun. And yeah. we they were nice enough to let us hang out for a while and uh, catch up with a couple of the players. So uh, do check that one out. Uh, that is a roving event. It travels the country. Didn't happen this year. But uh, would expect it to happen next year, hopefully. Hopefully, Sean. Yeah, it was a really fun event. Uh, a lot of great curling. And uh, you're right. It was very nice of them to give us some time to talk and uh, let us hang out for a bit. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I'll put that in the show notes. But it's also available over GameofStonesPod.com. And the merch is there as well. All the proceeds from the T-shirts are going to Food Banks Canada. All the rest of the merch, the proceeds are for the Sandra Schmirler Foundation. We are matching 
all of that as well. So uh, check that out. Eventually it'll get cold again, so the two canodies <laughs> might be useful to you yeah. at that point. Or just blast your AC really cold and uh, warm inside your house, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back with you again next Tuesday for another new episode. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern.